0: Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep podcast I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention, and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep
0: with Benjamin Boster.
1: were two more murders 15 miles we'll away survive, in the a weird described a- by one
0: investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning cup
1: of murder Today's story is a little different. It revolves around the story of a convicted murderer born on September 26 1944. But it does not revolve around the murder. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Randolph Dial, born September 26, 1944, was a gifted artist who, in 1986, confessed to the murder of Kelly Hogan on September 16, 1981. According to the story, Kelly, a Tulsa karate instructor from Broken Arrow, was the victim of a mob hit and Randolph was the contract killer. He was, of course, sent to prison and made to serve the rest of his life behind bars. But once he got there, He quickly became known as a model prisoner and soon a trustee of the prison, residing in the minimum security unit at Oklahoma State Reformatory. He was even given access to the property just outside of the prison when he was asked to caretake the home where Deputy Warden Randy Parker, his wife, Bobby, and their two kids lived. Bobby herself worked with several inmates on rehabilitation programs. And after getting to know Randolph and his skills, the two decided to take some recently donated money and start an art program for the inmates. They converted the garage into a ceramic studio and Randolph began spending most of his free time at the Parker home and with Bobby Parker. Eventually, her husband felt this was getting to be a little too frequent and believing Randolph was trying to take over the art program told him to back off. Little did he know that the art program was the least of his worries. On August 30th, 1944, Randy left home to head to the prison for a shift, while his daughters left to go to school. When he left, Randolph was already at the home doing his caretaking duties. At noon, Randy came home for lunch and found it empty with only a note from Bobby saying she had gone shopping and had left him a sandwich in the refrigerator. He thought nothing of it, ate his lunch, and returned to work. Then at 4.45, he got a call from his older daughter saying that Bobby was still not home. Randy assumed she was still shopping and told his daughter not to worry. 30 minutes later, when he came home, Bobby was still nowhere to be found. This was when he started to grow concerned. She was never gone this long. He called hospitals, worried something had happened to her, and when they said she had not been admitted, he thought of Randolph. He quickly called the prison and asked them to search his cell. It was empty. Randy, assuming Randolph escaped and abducted his wife, called police. That same night, Bobby's mother received a phone call from her daughter, saying to call Randy and the kids, tell them she loved them and that she would be home soon. The next day, a similar call came to Bobby's best friend, and the friend said she felt as though Bobby was being held against her will. Within 24 hours, investigators found her abandoned van just across the Texas border. It was cleaned and there was no sign of any struggle, though there was Randolph's choice brand of cigarettes at the scene. Randy then learned from another inmate that Randolph spent months bartering for Valium from the prison black market and became convinced he drugged Bobby in order to kidnap her. The police, however, saw no signs of an abduction and were not ready to rule out the option that Bobby willingly left with Randolph. Was he a man who abducted the warden's wife to get his freedom, or was she a woman in love who ran away with him so they could finally be together? Ten days after her disappearance, Bobby made one last phone call to her sister-in-law. The information was the same as her other phone calls. Bobby sounded upset, and this was the last time anyone would hear from her. Years passed, and though there were sightings here and there of a couple that looked like Bobby and Randolph, none panned out. Her case appeared on episodes of America's Most Wanted in 1995, as well as Dateline, and the family held out hope that Bobby would come home. Then in 2001, a former Tulsa homicide detective who wrote a book about Randolph, called him and spoke to Bobby on the phone. Not only did he confirm that she was still alive, but he said it sounded as if she willingly went with Randolph wherever they were. He notified the FBI, but they were unable to trace the call. Then, over 10 years after they mysteriously disappeared, a tip came in that gave police some credible information. According to the caller, a couple had been living in Camp Texas for a while, working at a chicken ranch, and after seeing their information on America's Most Wanted, he was almost certain this couple was Randolph and Bobby. Residents would later say they always suspected that the odd pair was on the run from something, but they figured it was a few small warrants, not a full-blown abduction. They kept to themselves, never really went into town, and mainly stayed in their trailer off a secluded dirt road. With the help of the tipster, police arrived at the trailer on April 4th, 2005, and found Randolph Dial and a very much so alive and well, Bobby Parker. Randolph was taken back to prison, and Bobby, after being reunited with her family, was arraigned on various charges. They claimed the pair were romantically involved, and that she helped Randolph plan and execute his escape. Randolph, on the other hand, said there was nothing romantic about them, and likened their relationship to a captor and a victim with Stockholm Syndrome. He told her that if she left, he would kill her and her family. He said it was ultimately a bluff, but she didn't know that, so she remained with him for more than 10 years. He received an extra seven years on his sentence, and on June 13, 2007, died after a lengthy illness at the age of 62. Before dying, he said that he wouldn't trade what he did for the 10 years of freedom he was able to live. He had no regrets. Bobby Parker was brought to trial on July 5, 2011 and convicted of helping him with the escape. She served six months of a year sentence before moving back in with her husband. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on September 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.